0: Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at world science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Mr. Slash Fletcher will join us to discuss Einstein's shadow. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Welcome back to the Grok Science Show. Well, a black hole. We've all heard of it, but of course no one has actually ever seen one. Well, how do you see something that can't be seen? Well, this might soon change. Uh, Joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Sleth Fletcher. Mr. Fletcher is the author of the new book Einstein's Shadow, A Black Hole, A Band of Astronomers, and The Quest to See the Unseeable. And uh, Mr. Fletcher, I'm very pleased to have you today on the Grok Science Show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me certainly a, a fascinating story, certainly a fascinating book you've written here uh, talking about the quest to get a picture of a black hole. But curious, how did you become interested in this story?
1: So early 2012, I learned about this project called the Event Horizon Telescope from a colleague of mine. Uh, her name's Katie Peek. She actually did uh, the illustrations for the book. Um, I was working at Popular Science at the time uh, as an editor, and I just thought it sounded completely impossible to see the event horizon of a a black hole just kind of just the barest description of the project kind of blew my mind and i didn't understand how it was possible so i started looking into it and i went up to boston to uh, visit shep dolman the director at his office at mit haystack observatory and i ended up writing a story about them for popular science and i went to hawaii with them for a week uh, and spent a few nights at Mauna Kea. Um, And uh, then it just seemed like a story that I could track for many years and I wanted to see it through. It seemed like a book to me. And uh, so that's kind of took off from there.
0: And indeed, it is. It is a story that lasted many years. You sort of talk about first the theoretical underpinnings of it, and then slow burn of getting all these telescopes online. I'm curious. I mean, this is really—it's almost century spanning in a way.
1: Yeah, I know. I've, I've had people ask me what is the time period that the book covers, and it sort of depends on whether you start with Einstein or not. I mean, there are a lot of books about Einstein, so I didn't want to spend a hundred pages rehashing uh, history that's in many, many other books. So I try to keep that part tight and focused, but the the astronomers have been working on this more or less, it depends on where you start counting, I guess, decades. The official Event Horizon Telescope project has really been around since 2012 was the kickoff meeting. And then I followed them for six years. I didn't think it was going to take that long, Uh, but the project got delayed as big telescope projects do. So it took them longer than they expected to execute the full Earth-sized telescope observation. So the book took that long, too. And now we uh, wait for their results.
0: So what is the Event Horizon Telescope project, and how is it supposed to visualize this black hole? Yeah. So,
1: so the Event Horizon Telescope is a not really a physical telescope. It's a virtual telescope. And some people just say it's an experiment. It's a group of Upwards of eight radio observatories on different continents, and they all operate, they all observe the same thing simultaneously. And then they record that data on hard drives and they ship those back to supercomputer correlator, uh, where a correlator engineer combines all that data into a single master data set. And because of this technique called very long baseline interferometry, they can mimic the resolution of an actual literal Earth-sized telescope. Uh, they don't collect all of the information. They don't collect as much light, nearly as much light as an actual Earth-sized telescope would collect. So there's a lot of fancy workarounds that they have to do to, to make images. But that is basically how the virtual telescope itself works. And It can take a picture of a black hole because of just a happy accident of nature. So Sagittarius A-star is the supermassive black hole at the center of the Milky Way. It's about 26,000 light years away. And it happens to be the right size that at that distance, an Earth-sized telescope can resolve, we think, its shadow. And what we mean by a shadow, some people call it a silhouette, a black hole itself is definitionally unseeable. It traps all light that goes in. But because of the extreme warpage of space-time around the event horizon, it casts a shadow. It sort of traps traps light against its own emission. And, and that shadow is what they are hoping to see.
0: Not a, a direct image, but more sort of the influence of the black hole on light going around it.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, they say direct imaging directly imaging a black hole, but they also say directly imaging the immediate environment of the event horizon. I mean, what we're seeing is outside the event horizon. The shadow, it's as close as we will ever get. I mean, we can keep making better and better images of that area and that shadow. to more powerful telescopes, uh, upgrade, equipment upgrades, but it's the closest we're ever going to get um, because nothing that enters, uh, nothing that passes the event horizon, including r- light, can return.
0: And, and is it just this black hole that we're going to be able to image? Or is it possible to see other black holes, or is it just the right size, just the right distance that we're able to, to get uh, some kind of image of it?
1: Well, there's another one that happens to be in that same sweet spot called M87. And it's, it's much larger than Sagittarius A-star, but also much farther away. And it just, it happens to fall into this Goldilocks zone where we should be able to image it from Earth using an Earth-sized telescope. And then there are lots of others that they are observing. You know, I don't know how many, those two are the leading candidates for full-on images of the shadow. But there are lots of other things that they can study, you know, the gas dynamics and galaxies, uh, the way they interact with their host galaxies without actually making an image of the shadow itself. So I, you know, I, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but in the 2017 observation, I want to say they they took data on maybe as many as eight or 10 different black holes. Some they spent a lot more time on than others, but there's a lot of stuff they can look at, yeah.
0: Uh, obviously, they're expecting to see something or maybe different things, but they if they examine the black hole. What does this tell us about the nature of the universe? There are theories of physics. Uh, how will this uh, shed light on what we think of the universe?
1: Yeah, so the big question is, is Einstein right? And I mean, I actually don't like that phrasing that well because Einstein's theory of relativity, uh, you know, I'm talking about general relativity here. This theory of gravity has proven extraordinarily successful, but it's never been tested around a black hole, where gravity becomes so extreme that all, all bets are off. You know, it might just behave completely differently than in the, in the solar system scale tests that have already been conducted. If they confirm that Einstein was right, that's a huge deal. But if they find deviations from the predictions of general relativity, and they can confirm those and they keep seeing those, that's even more interesting because that means that relativity is uh, you know, We know that relativity is probably not the final story because it's incompatible with quantum mechanics, the theory of the very small, which is the other leading theory of nature. And so physicists have been trying to reconcile these two to find a deeper theory for decades, and it's been incredibly hard. So there's a chance that this observation will provide evidence, whether it tells us that Einstein's right or maybe he's a little bit off. Maybe the general relativity means slightly modified. That'll provide clues as to where to go in the search for that deeper fundamental theory.
0: So right now, as you mentioned, they've done their run; they're they're crunching the data. How soon do you think it'll be before uh, we get a report on what Wolf was set, observed?
1: They, I think, they are saying publicly now that they're aiming for early next year, and by early next year, very early, I've heard February. So, but it's kind of it's a it's a moving target. Things can take longer than expected. You know the. Um, They originally thought they were going to do this big observation in 2015 rather than 2017, and for reasons that provide much of the drama in the book, that didn't happen. But they're very close. They're working on writing up the results right now, and I don't know exactly where things stand. My special access period kind of ended with the publication of the book, and now I'm kind of waiting to see what they have, just like everybody else. But I think whatever they have is going to be really interesting whether it's the full shadow image, which is what we hope for, or something else. I think it's going to be fascinating.
0: You sort of detailed the, the history of this took to, to get this all running, in particular with the director, Shep Dolman, sort of how does he feel about how far it's gone and where it's going? That's a good question.
1: You know, Shep is, he, he kind of, he, he, he likes to under-promise and over-deliver. And he likes to, he's wary of admitting that things are going well I you know I, I've, I've talked to him right after a big win you know uh, getting something coming together and he'll say yeah that's great but of course we still have all these other challenges so he, he, it's like it's almost he's afraid of <laughs> jinxing the whole thing it's it's his life's work so it's hard to say I would imagine that things feel really exciting but uncertain right now because they have to get these results out the door and get them published and then you know they need to keep replicating them, they have to hold up to scrutiny. So my sense is that he's probably cautiously optimistic, but he's being very cryptic, which also makes me think maybe they
0: have something really great. I suppose we'll just all have to wait and see uh, what what the announcement is. Not that much longer, yeah. Is this sort of project uh, uh, the likes of which is unique in astronomy, getting all these people together and all this collaboration, or or is this kind of the way astronomy is done now?
1: Well, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that people have been building continent intercontinental interferometers for for decades what's technically challenging about this is that they're using the highest frequencies of radio light available right where radio sort of crosses over into the infrared realm and that's technically incredibly challenging and it's only possible because computing power that was what really made this possible they're using Physics engines like are used in, you know, they're using a lot of technology that's now off the shelf, but it just wasn't possible even in the early 2000s. The other big thing that I think is fascinating and and timely is that ultimately the hardest thing for them to overcome were sort of human challenges of agreeing to an organization and, and everybody kind of finding their place in it. And I thought that was fascinating because it sounds kind of corny um, but it was actually true. You know, there there was a point where they kind of had all the equipment installed and everything seemed ready to go, but they were still try, they were still struggling to figure out this organization, still struggling to get past cultural differences and um, differences of work, in ways of working. So I was struck by how just universal this story is in terms of the people under pressure at work. I think I hope that people read the book, they'll find it incredibly relatable because as arcane as this project is and as specialized as these people are with their skills in education, you get a bunch of people like this together and you put them under pressure and give them a deadline and an incredibly high stakes goal. They start to look like a team of software engineers under a hard deadline or a team of journalists under a hard deadline. So much of, I, I really got interested in the human essence of the story. So I I hope that answers that question for you.
0: I think the book really captures those stories very nicely, and I certainly hope people will go take a look at it. We were just talking to Mr. Seth Fletcher. He's the author of the new book, Einstein's Shadow, Black Hole, A Band of Astronomers, and The Quest to See the Unseeable. And uh, Mr. Fletcher, I want to thank you very much for joining us today to talk about your book. Of course. Thanks for having me.